Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It's my great pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. There is Director Matthew. If you're watching the show on War Chant TV, don't forget to like and subscribe. Helps others find the show and Supports what we do, and we appreciate that. Also, on uh, Twitter, you can find me at Jay Cameron Show. Going to be with you, as I said before. Knowles get the sweep yesterday in that doubleheader. Don't exactly hit the daylights out of the ball, but it doesn't matter. They did pitch. They did win both games. Doff of the cap to my man Trey Jones, who threw out the first pitch, uh, as it was fun to see. My boy, head coach there at Florida State University with the golf team. Big uh Big moments for them start next week with the uh, regionals and all that good stuff. Women are playing right now at Seminole Legacy. That course is amazing. It was built for this very reason, right, to be hosting these kinds of events. And the ladies are doing quite nicely as well. Top four move on in the men's game, top five. And so it's uh, it's fun to watch. Anyhow, just a heads up for those of you that like the golf. And a shout-out to my boy for uh, throwing out the first pitch and throwing a strike. Threw a strike. Look good. Oh, he did. All yeah, right. Straight. Was Look it a good. lollipop or was it a good one? No, he fired it. He did the smart thing. I've done it twice. I've learned a lesson from a mistake. You can't think. Can't think when you're throwing out first pitch. You ever throw out a first pitch anywhere uh, at anything, uh, just don't think and you'll be all right. You know, Mike Martin Sr., 11, uh, said to me one time that the most nervous he had been in front of a crowd. Now, think about this. He was an all-world player here at Florida State, uh, played and coached uh, a bunch of different sports, uh, you know, this is a guy that one time coached basketball. It's hilarious, but anyhow, he so he's been in the spotlight a lot. Most nervous he ever was throwing out the first pitch at a Rays game for Seminole Day down there in St. Petersburg. And uh, you know, think about his career in baseball. He was a he was nervous that he was he could feel like he was visibly shaken about throwing out the first pitch at the Rays game. And it's not exactly Dodger Stadium in October. No, you know, no, it's like you know forty two hundred people there. I know, I know, it's crazy, but he was. He was very nervous, and uh, it's funny because it's all eyes on you. You're not part of a bigger picture. It's just you. And, um, yeah, Trey did the right thing last night. As soon as they announced his name, who he was, his accomplishments, where Florida State is competing uh, next week down there, uh, and where they host the Honda Classic, he uh, he just, as soon as they said, all right, Trey, let's see, if, you know, let's see a strike, he just turned and fired. Just didn't even think about it, just turned. See target, throw target. That's the end of it, right? You know how you're learning how to pitch when you're young? Just throw to the mitt. You don't think about anything else. Step and throw. That was my dad, yeah. yeah. Step and throw. Throw to the mitt. Just don't think about anything else. Just throw to the mitt. And you keep your eyes on that. And your body will actually naturally kind of do that a lot of times. That's an aside. Uh, Kudos to him. Knowles needed to win those two games. Jacksonville's RPI is garbage. It would have been devastating to lose those. A precarious situation would have put you in. So good. They won both games. Uh, And now we get set for the series against Miami here, and that's a huge series, and it has the gravitas of what used to be with these series with Florida State and Miami, where uh, you feel like there's a lot on the line, there's, there's a weight to it, that whole thing. 
Yeah, you look at the next seven games. It's against uh, Miami here at home. That's the final home game on Sunday. You play down uh, in Gainesville against the Gators on Tuesday. That's a makeup game for a rainout earlier this season. And then North Carolina on the road for the final weekend of of regular season play. Those are three teams that are all within the top 30 of the RPI. So if you win four of those games, maybe five of those games, if I dare to dream, then you are going to host, I believe, a regional. But it's not just about this weekend's opportunity. I've been hyper-focused on that because Miami's RPI is in the top 10, has been for most of the season. But Florida's up there, and North Carolina's no slouch either. So a bunch of opportunities. Usually we're middling against middling teams, but good job last night getting the sweep. We're now 19th in the pseudo-RPI. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't get too high with the highs, too low with the lows when it comes to baseball. There have been some real lows this year and some real highs this year, and neither were lasting. So it's just sort of a, all right. And the problem, you know the problem, I I used to be better about this. I'm not as good about this anymore. Partly because the sport has taken a hit. College baseball has taken a bit of a hit uh, since I've been on the air, certainly, and and, and really mainly in the last five to seven years. and I don't mean specific to Florida State. I just think the sport has taken a hit. It it had a it, it had a prominence uh, at one time, and it, it appeared to be upwardly mobile uh, across the country there for a short period of time. And I don't think it is anymore uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but but the point would be, uh, I used to be better about enjoying the regular season. The very thing that I loathed about our fan base for the longest time. Uh, so I had a friend. T- here's a good example. I had a friend yesterday. He he now lives part time in, in the mountains of Tennessee and part time in the state of Florida. Former scientist, uh, worked in the world of science. Uh, infinitely fascinating guy to talk to. Uh, Florida State guy through and through. Anyhow, he and I have been going back and forth over the years uh, about uh, Martin and, and 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 Florida State and where they rank and what to make of his career and everything else. Right and and a really sensible cat. So in his neck of the woods, the talk is of Tennessee baseball. And how good they've been this year. And I simply wrote back, well, they better win it all or it's a meaningless season now, isn't it? And he was like, well, and I go, oh, no, 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 meaningless, meaningless. You could win 55 games. Who cares, pal, according to you? Did you feel pride in that moment? No, I felt like go to hell because that's exactly what everybody's done over the years with any team that doesn't win at all. And so I, I – hated that mindset and always thought, especially in a sport like baseball where it's a truncated tournament that decides it and everything else, right? So I've thought over the years, well, don't do that. Don't be the thing that you loathe. Uh, Enjoy the season. Enjoy the season. You know how, by the way, uh, it used to... I mean, we'd roll our eyes at him just because he had resources and he had uh, McDonald's All-Americans that didn't even play. They just sat on the bench. That's how loaded the roster was. Uh, but you would hear Coach K talk about enjoying the journey, enjoying you know the, the, the path to what we hope is, in, in the way he would talk about it, is the Final Four, a Finals appearance, maybe a national championship. But you got to enjoy every step along the way for the totality of it all. And I agree with that. He bothered me to no end when he would say it, but I, I agree with that. It's easier to say when you have one one but or multiple, but I think it's true, especially in baseball, um, that that you should enjoy it, the season. Why? What's the point of going each week if you don't enjoy that, right? Like, why would anybody go to a game? What's the point? It doesn't mean anything, right? You can't, you can't do that. One team's going to be standing at the end of the year. One. Should nobody else enjoy the baseball season ever? 
I'm at a place where I'm just looking at the numbers and I'm saying, what will it take to host? I'm not talking about what will it take to win it all. That's what I've been focused on, you know, at the talking points for a long time, looking at the RPI and just counting the numbers. And I understand that some pollsters hate Florida State. Some of them love Florida State. And that changes year to year, yeah, which pollster yeah, yeah. likes you and which one doesn't. It used to be Baseball America. Now it's D1 Baseball that doesn't like FSU all that much this season. But I'm looking at the numbers, and I'm seeing seven opportunities here before you get to the ACC Baseball Championships in Durham. I'm assuming it's in Durham. It always is in Durham. And here's your opportunity to host, because what gives us the best chance to go to Oklahoma? Or sorry, whoop, that's the softball. That's to to Omaha this year? Yeah. Well, that would be hosting a regional. I don't mind if they have to go on the road for a super. Of course, I'd like them to host it. But sure. I think, you know, if you got Messi going in game one, A-okay. I, I still like your chances in a best of three against the same baseball club. Yeah, me too. But I really would like to see Hauser rocking again. And there have been fits and starts this season. Early in the year, it was rocking. The Tuesday game against the Gators, it was an awesome place to be. Started with the uh, the runs early on, the play by carry-on deep in the hole. That place, it felt like it used to for regionals. I want to see that happen again. But we've got to win enough of these important games to get ourselves there. So yeah, that's so the way I'm looking at yeah, it. Yeah, you're looking at the uh, more... Immediate details. Not a title, a right. chance More to host immediate. a regional. Yeah. Yeah. And then you take it along the way. Yeah, no, I, I just, that goes to mindset of how you view a season, how you view a team. Like, if you're, I think what happens. If the more successful you are, the harder it gets to enjoy the ride. The more successful you are, the harder it gets to enjoy each passing victory because your your eyes are always set down the road for the more important games that these games are setting up along the way. And, you know, there was a time where we did that with football, and some would describe that as being spoiled. Well, we're the furthest thing from it now. And so every day is a hyper-focus on the little details of improvement along the way. And it's funny because when I, when I look at Florida State football and I think about Florida State football and the topics that keep us and fuel us through the summer, uh, most of the time, if you go back to the teams that were dominant, and it was previous to the college football playoff, BCS title game or bust, when you had that mindset, right, then the the only things you talked about in the summer were the possibilities of a trip up, maybe two locales, the Miami game, the Florida game. Occasionally there might have been uh, a game that was an out-of-conference game uh, that you added to your schedule that you thought, that could get interesting, Notre Dame, somebody like that. Going all the way back, you would have said somebody like Southern Cal or whoever it might be, right? But you just took for granted the games in the conference as automatic wins, and the question was by how much. And that wasn't always healthy either or a way to go about a viewing pattern as a fan. It's funny. There are parts of what we're going through now that I actually enjoy and other parts of that that remind me all along the way of how far we have to go. And I bring this up a lot because – when you can't focus on a national championship, a college football playoff, and all you can focus on is getting back to being a program of significance, which is to say you're over 500, you're ranked. Let's just stop there. You're over 500 and you're ranked. At some point. You know, would you, would you not just say that's where it is, right? You're over 500 and you're ranked. I mean, is that where, we're, is that where it stops right now? 
yeah, you want to be inside the top 20 for at least one week this upcoming season. If you if you have a hot start, I think you can do that. Well, if you beat, first of all, you're going to beat Duquesne. If you beat LSU, uh, you go into the Louisville game uh, as a team that uh, I think is on the precipice of that game, yeah. that win right there. It's being, early, being so you might you, you need yeah. some help from the 21 through 25 teams, but you'll be in the other teams receiving votes. Now, if you were to dare to dream and you start 3-0, and you got a home game against Boston College after beating LSU in a de facto home game for the Tigers, and then you beat Louisville on the road on a Friday night. If you beat BC in your fourth game of the season, and you're 4-0, and I think you're going to be ranked. Yeah. Oh, for certain you'll be ranked. You'll be ranked inside the top 20, not top 25. You'll be in the top 20. You'll be, yeah. Yeah, if you're 4-0 with a win over LSU and a road win against Louisville, yeah. Especially if... Because remember, early in the year, nobody knows what LSU is. We just know the name, know the coach, certainly, and we'll see what remains. But also, for Florida State, you'd have basically two road wins. I mean, and, and they would be of some significance. Now, at that point, Louisville would not have fallen off a cliff, let's say, if they're in store for a bad season. Don't know what kind of season they're going to have. They're kind of a weird team. But they, they could have a bad year, and your win over them as the weeks go by, would seem rather insignificant. But not in that moment, not through three weeks, four weeks. It would be, oh, okay, look at these guys. All right, maybe they're getting to get together down in Tallahassee. Moreover, if you start 4-0, Tom, which would have you 2-0 in the ACC at that point and an out-of-conference win against LSU and obviously the Duquesne game. But you're set up now to where you don't have to play great to garner seven to eight wins, you you, you don't. You've yeah, given by your... definition, you go five hundred the rest of the way, and you're eight and four. Yeah, you you are in a position at that point uh, where your margin of error expands greatly. Florida State has not been in a position in a long time in which the margin of error has greatly decreased after the first two or three games. <laughs> <laughs> All that has happened around these parts over the last several years is that the margin for error is zero. The second September ends. You're like, well, that's it. That's all. Can't lose another one if we're going to have a good season. I mean, think about how those talking points have kind of ruled the day. That well, we've, I thought about it. Well, we've, all we've done is getting off, it's gotten off to such terrible starts that the, the month ends and you go, well, son of a bitch. It's over again. again. They got to win them all. And then you look ahead and you're like, well, they're not going to win that one. They're not going to win that one. So this is disastrous. That's, that's the way we viewed this. 2017, 18, 19, 20, and 21. That's five straight five Septembers. Five effing years. And if it wasn't for Demarcus Walker and DeAndre Francois, it'd be six because we needed their heroics well, against Ole Miss. Well, against Ole Miss and Orlando. And even that was a quasi-good September because a couple weeks later you go on the road to Louisville and it's an unholy beatdown. So that doesn't even really qualify as a good September. So maybe it is six in a row. <laughs> that was a 22-point comeback. It was, yep. We actually changed locales at halftime. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. And it worked. That was a um, that was a maddening beginning to that game. Like, what are we do- What is going on? This was me getting angrier at Jimbo all the time. Oh, yeah. as I- <laughs> It was a crazy day in my life because I, I got home. I was at the Notre Dame-Texas game the night before in yes, Austin. Yes, you were. And I caught a flat on Labor Day. I caught a flat on Labor Day, and thankfully there was a car dealership open in McDonough, Georgia, which is the pits of the world for traffic as you're going up 75. Yeah. But I was thankful for it because I was in a loner, and that's how I got down in time for the pregame show. What a day. They can burn McDonough to the ground. 
Sherman could come Sherman back through <laughs> and burn McDonough to the ground. Every time I get to McDonough, the things I say, vitriol, the likes of which I wouldn't dare repeat on these airwaves about McDonough every time I'm there. Because my brother lives in Atlanta, and so does another close friend. I know your sister lives in Atlanta. Every time, I'm like, oh, with McDonough. How many years? How many years do we need to have to get it together here in McDonough? There's a different way to go. I'm not putting it on these airwaves because it's uh, you don't want more traffic there. But there's a different way to go, and it doesn't go through McDonough. And you'll thank me. I mean, it could be 10 in the morning, 7 p.m. Dead Stop McDonough. Yes, yes. That should be the name of the town. Dead Stop McDonough. Welcome <laughs> into Dead Stop McDonough. <laughs> Forevermore. Get out, stretch your legs. You got time. 30-minute yoga routine. Don't worry about it. You got all the time in the world here at Dead Stop McDonough. There should be food vendors on the shoulder of the road yeah. at McDonough. Taco trucks. Food trucks with tacos. Woo. Turn it into a party here at Dead Stop McDonough. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Irish fellows over there at the ACC meetings. Uh, Mike Alford, Mike Norvell, comments from both gentlemen uh, this week and uh, other members of the ACC. Kind of curious uh, to, to see what ultimately does come out of that. We know they're discussing getting rid of the divisions. In the uh, ACC, that's what's kind of being discussed all around college football, to be honest with you, uh, in the Power Five. I don't know if you read, there's a good piece today. I won't get into every detail of it, but I would turn your attention to it. We'll discuss it a little bit here. You know, Tom, on the show over the years, I've talked about the unique story that is the uh, uh, the Joe Moglia story there at uh, Coastal Carolina. Everybody's pretty well aware of, of his situation. If you guys don't remember, he was the coach at Coastal Carolina his background is uh, quite interesting. Uh, first, he spent 16 years coaching, then left coaching, did 17 years at Merrill Lynch and eight at TD Ameritrade, then decided to come back into coaching, worked with Nebraska, and then became the head coach at Coastal Carolina. He did so at a time in which they were seeking to elevate from the FCS to the FBS. He went 56-22 and 22 in six years before handpicking his successor, Tom, and, and, and now is the chair of athletics uh, and executive director of football at Coastal. So the business background, the coaching background, okay, let's have him weigh in, hence the article in The Athletic, on the state of college football and what to do. And look, he admittedly, openly said, it's something we all would say, we don't need the business background to say this, um, 
basically noting that the NCAA, if this were the business world, the entire board would be fired. Quote, the entire executive management team would have been fired by now. He noted, too, that he had a lot of respect for what the NCAA did in the past. But, again, it needs to operate much more like a business now more than ever before, and they need to get out in front. Well, it's too late for that. It's too late for that. They, they had every opportunity to get out in front and chose not to. Oh, yeah. Mark Emmert is a criminal. I mean, period. <laughs> yeah. No, he's stealing. Like, you consider some of the the signs that are so apparent over the last few years, and nobody yeah. is there to get rid of him. Well, and he got a raise uh, in the, in the, and an extension in the past year right. before stepping down. No, it's it feels remarkable. very congressional. It does. Like, you know, how yeah. is it that you are the head of this organization? Mm-hmm. You fail so miserably that the great example was the women's basketball tournament and the men's basketball tournament. The tweet, and, and maybe it was an yeah. Instagram post that yeah, went yeah. viral. Here's their workout facility. Five-pound weights over in the Here's corner. our workout. Yeah. Oh, equal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're equal, huh? They didn't even let women's basketball use March Madness as a term. Right. And his response was, well, you know, maybe if you can do it. Like, it wasn't, I'm so sorry, we're going to make this right. It mm-hmm. was, well, it's your fault. Like, and he still got a raise. So, okay, and he gives himself a 13-year golden parachute farewell tour? Nah, man. Nah. Quote, if we're going to do something, we got to get to it now. The quicker college sports gets its arm around that, the better you're going to be. If college sports is going to wait for the NCAA, well, that would be unbelievable to me when they allowed all of this to happen to begin with. Um, and you get into <laughs> so so that's part of the article in which he's talking about some things that he thinks they can do. And he's heard about, quote, the great ideas uh, but there's no sense of urgency within the NCAA. And that's where he talked about needing to come up with a committee, like to pull away from the NCAA and talk about, you know, forget various boards and subcommittees and slow legislative process. He wants to create an executive committee with almost autonomous power to make decisions. So like in business, the group could be made up of anyone the membership decides, right? They can be voted out. They have the power if they're voted in. Okay, so obviously he knows we're going to have to find a consensus here on who would make up uh, this this executive committee, if you will. Uh, It should have the skill sets for everything you might be looking for, but the business sense and the courage to do both the business sense and the courage to do what really is right for all of college sports. They're the bosses. That's it. They determine the rules as objectively as they possibly can. So he sees this as ultimately a way to kind of get a handle on where the sport is headed. Um, and he said, at this time, college athletics is facing the biggest lack of leadership in the history of the sport and should have never been given an extension. And he's making the same point you are about ripping Emmert um, and, and that Emmert took advantage of what they gave him on down the line. He would like to eliminate the signing period. Uh, he wants to fix the coaching contract market. In professional sports, coaches rarely voluntarily leave one team for another while under contract. That's because they can't. They can be traded the way John Gruden was, but when under contract, they're locked in. College football doesn't operate that way. Every offseason, coaches leave one school for another. There's a buyout to pay for leaving early written into those contracts, but the new school typically picks up the tab. He hates that, doesn't like it, wouldn't allow for it. It's not how a normal business world works with lateral movement, he adds. The commitment he wants from players must also then apply to all coaches. Maglia, as a former coach, says, look, If you view it from the executive's perspective, this is the way it would be. If you have a great year and somebody wants you, you can leave the next year, and with the portal the way it is, all your best players are now going with you. 
The school you're leaving is decimated. If you sign a five-year deal, you're supposed to be there for five years and nobody can poach you. Nobody should even be allowed to talk to him unless he's within six months left in his contract. If a guy's doing great and you choose to extend him, that guy has a big decision to make. If he thinks he can do better down the line, then he may hold off on that extension. And he gets into details about something we've talked about, which is that these schools oftentimes feel, um, I guess, held hostage. Like, Football being so important, the agents keep saying to the coaches, to the to the athletic directors, if you don't extend them now, you're going to lose them. Well, what does this say about recruiting and all, you know the chances that he's going to be here down the line? He, he believes that that's complete and utter nonsense. And well, the other problem here is I know what I just said about Emmert, and that's all true. Here's another thing that's true that's going to sound almost like Emmert is speaking. College sports, and this is what he's going to say after he's done. College sports is a bubble. It should not be as big as it is outside of the money-making sports. If you consider it as a business, as this gentleman is proposing, well, he points dollar out. in and dollar yes. out. So why is it, and I know a conference, that conferences would demand this, but why is it that a track team, male or female, gets to go over the country instead of regionally, more as a uh, club-type sport? Right. Well, like, to your point, over 95% of the teams that, uh, that compete in athletics at any university uh, are a lost uh, investment. You, you you lose like woefully. Money. You, yeah, yeah. You, it, it, in that sense, it's not a business. Um, it's costing you money to participate in those sports, with very few exceptions. Beyond the scholarships, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. It costs the university money. So I, you know, the problem that college football has, and I'm not saying Title IX by itself is a problem, but the problem that college football has is if that provision is in place and it's tied to the institution, unless you reclassify what that sport is, then you always are going to subsidize your entire athletic department. Your entire athletic department. So that's the thing that I'll be interested to see over the next 10 years is, do we realize that college sports is a bubble and the travel is nuts for 90% of the sports? They should just be remanded to regionalized games. They should be. I mean, really, how did we get to this point? The money is so great that you got to hide it somewhere almost. You have to justify the money that's coming in. The university can't net a huge profit well, no, off of it. Well, They've got to spend why, it back out. Well, that's why the athletic centers became what they were and coaches' salaries became what they were. Right. That's another place to hide it. That's where they hide all of the money. Right. $12 million a year for this guy. Players get none of it. By the way, we got a chocolate fountain at our new football-only facility. Right. And yet the players got none of it. But right. if you reclassify, then it goes back into where it belongs. Because, you know... I, I remember way back when, 15 years ago, when I was an undergrad, a friend of mine was playing soccer for Coach Gregorian. Mm -hmm. And their stipend at the soccer program at the time, because it was the, the highest profile, and it still is. I mean, softball's running close second in the women's side of things. They got equal stipend to the football players. Now, you tell me if that's fair. Right. That's not fair. The football players are the reason there's a stipend in the first place to offer. So that's a difficult conversation to have, though. It, especially right now, it's a difficult conversation to have, but it, it's the uncomfortable conversation, to this guy's point, that are happening in boardrooms all over the country. Like, why do we have this wing of the business if it's making us no money? We have to stick to what we do well. These are the products that make us money. His point, and one we've talked about, and ultimately will be something that saves Florida State as they continue to lag behind financially, is that he thinks where we're headed in the not-so-distant future. The Power Five conferences will band together. They'll do so on television contracts for more leverage. That would include the Big Ten taking a short extension on its current contracts to sync up with the other leagues at that time. 
Now, I think they'd like to expedite that process. Um, I, he thinks that's what would, would work best. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think the Big Ten is going to take a short extension if they can get the kind of money that we're reading about currently in the billions. I, I don't know about all of that. Um, the media consultants have made this point for years that everybody should – you scale down the grouping in the top brands of college football – and you get more television money, right? And that's how that works. And you have basically a super league. It makes all the business sense in the world. And let's say that's 65 schools in the Power Five. Um, I don't know, half of them maybe, or a little bit more than that or so. And then everybody else, uh, they play. You could even have them play under the same guidelines that we used to have with the NCAA if you right, wanted. I right. mean, that could still, you know, they continue on. The like way if, that they had student-athletes on scholarship, with the exception that they obviously can earn money, which was always dumb. Right. Yeah, Well, they couldn't. if you tied it, like, okay, so the big, what's the cash cow for the NCAA specifically? It's March Madness. March Madness. Right? Yeah. So it, if you use that as your baseline of your budget, that's the income that you're bringing in. They, these are your NCAA sports on the one side. And then on the other side, here's your football sport. That's this other thing. I think that's where this is all going to go. And what's interesting to me, and you brought this up many times, and we haven't really heard about it in the national discussion, is when the Big Ten's contract comes due and, and the Big 12, Pac-12 in the near future, obviously us, never, will streaming, <laughs> services, will streaming services enter the bidding war? Because, you know, there's yeah, a salient a point. Lot, I saw this on the boards. This is on the message boards in, in the roundtable we did. Well, aren't people cutting the cord? So where is all this money coming from, from these TV networks? Well, the streaming partners have to jump into the conversation at some point. Apple Plus is doing so with baseball. Peacock now has Sunday morning baseball games. MLB games yes. starting at 11 or 11.30, which yeah. I think is really cool. I do too. But when are these services going to jump into the college football game? And that is going to drive the price up for these conferences that the ACC cannot get in on. It's not necessarily that they want a TV deal because Comcast is going to exist in the same way 10 right. years from now. It's not. No. But when will we hear those reports that Apple Plus is making an aggressive bid on the Big Ten rights? That's got to be coming soon. I think very soon. Uh, and, in fact, that gets talked about a lot. I, we bring it up on these airwaves, but it, it's been in the industry. You, know, you hear people say this all the time. Like, the shift is coming. It's going to. It, it's not going to look anything like what we see in the landscape of, of these contracts currently. Like, it, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch how soon it happens, and obviously it's of great interest for programs like Florida State, um, which right now has no choice but to hyper-focus on getting itself in the best possible position to be welcomed in to this brave new world uh, and, and become something that, uh, that they once were, which is obviously a program of great significance. I think the other thing, too, is that if you're just looking at the long-term viability and watchability of sports in general, Women's sports is now like a buy low product in terms of the stock value in a way it hasn't been in, in ever in my lifetime. Like I could see in 20 years where there are viable women's sports on, you know, network TV, quote unquote, or streaming rights, television partners or whatever that are doing okay, that are going to be self-sufficient. They don't need to be like the WNBA won't need to be subsidized by the NBA in that example. I think in college sports, you're seeing that there's a rise there. There's a growth there. So if you're going to have the tough discussion in the reclassification of college football in the near future, are you killing that potential growth at the worst possible time? I find all of that fascinating because one thing, and, and I agree with you, but I do wonder, the WNBA still does terrible. I know. Nobody watches I'm using it. that Nobody as an analogy. Watches. I'm not literally talking I you, I, about the I know WNBA. You are. I'm just saying we, we've waited a long time. I would have thought by now. Crickets, friend. 
a garbage product that nobody watches. But if you've got a bunch of rednecks in Tallahassee loving college softball out of nowhere in the last five years, that tells me that it's possible. Well, those rednecks, I think you dare say, have spread across the country. Those numbers are big on ESPN. Right, exactly. It's not just here. But I'm it's, talking yes. about that demo. That'll be the last demo, I think. And listen, I'm a beloved citizen of, of Tallahassee. Right. I love this area, and it's, it's a mix of everybody. But if you've got that demo at you know a local watering hole near us saying, hey, did you see the softball game the other day? That tells me that that, would, that conversation would never have happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. No, that sport has come the furthest in the last five years of any of the women's sports that I can think of that we talk about on the airwaves or even make reference to. I, I can't. It's, it's really shocking how quickly that sport has grown into something that, across the board, um, men and women seem to enjoy, and the numbers bear it out. We have friends that work in the industry that work for ESPN and others that will point out, Hey man, this is good. This is good. You know another one that's that's it's improving, and this is true of both men and women as well. Um, golf, collegiate yeah. golf yep. is growing rapidly. It's got and a chance, I, and I only know that because I work in it. But I, I'm stunned by yep. Golf Channel invested in it is when it started, and they started covering these events, and they were stunned to find out the growth patterns. So they've invested mm -hmm. more. You see more of these events now all the time. Yeah. Bob Papa's like, finally, yeah, I'm on to something that's going to do good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's remarkable. Um, and, and I think there's something to the idea, and this gets back to what may be soon lacking in college football, which everybody's scared to death of, um, but the very collegial nature of those sports, they are very collegial. The Golf Channel was smart when they expanded their coverage to include college golf. Men and women. And then to fortify it with the logos next to the That's players on the going. PGA That's Tour. That's what they did. They, they, they took the logos, and then they placed them on the players on the tour. People love to see their logo. They love to see representation. Well, and here's another event. I know the course plays into it as well, but the the Augusta Women's Amateur. That's doing good numbers. Oh yeah, and that's that's well, a good that's another peak at Augusta. Right, right. But it's not just because we've had a knoll in contention the last couple of years. Like that's actually compelling television. That again, I don't know that men were prepared to have that discussion ten or fifteen years ago. That certainly this not is... the folks in Augusta. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I almost called this seminal headlines. We're sitting here talking about softball so much. Uh, Jeff Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk, Radio War Chant TV. Good to be with you. <laughs> oh, man. I Both NBA games turned out to be blowouts last night, but I was, I'm, I've been laughing. Tom, you, I wish you could be a fly on the wall in my house these days to uh, just listen to my son who goes to his room in the back and watches these games every second, uh, every, every quarter of every game, locked in. It's a it's a joy to 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 hear it to to listen to it to to hear his reactions to the bench players. It's a reminder of what I did in the '80s and '90s watching the NBA, which is, you know, you know every player on your favorite team. You certainly know those that stand in the way of your favorite team of reaching their goals, and then also sort of the players that have grown. Uh, to to rub you the wrong way for whatever playing style maybe maybe they just are a matchup problem for your team, but I crack up listening to him. Why do you even shoot? You're two for seventeen. Yeah, hoist another one. <laughs> that sounds like me as a kid. It's great. Yeah. 
You're watching the game with yourself. Yeah, a miniature version of me. Uh, and then the next morning, I know it's going to come up. Uh, the very first thing he's going to say is, um, so for example, the other night when Harden showed up, he made a rare appearance and, uh, and, and played well for the first time in two years. And, uh, and, and certainly the first time in a Philadelphia uniform. And, and then uh, my son, we're going to school, and he goes, that's the worst thing that could have happened. He's going to think he can do it again. He sucks. He won't score 20. And then last night he dropped, what, 14, Matthew? was that what he had? Yeah, he sucked. He went back to sucking again. Um, and, and so he was like, see, I told you, Dad. I was like, well, you don't have to tell me. Hey, it's not going to take much convincing for me. You know how I feel. But it's just funny. Every team, every game, an opinion. I'm like, all right, that's good. It's good. They were outscored last night, 39-19 to 19 in the fourth. <laughs> that is a, that's ooh, uncomfortable. Ooh. That's a little hint of giving up. Uh, that's a that, that's a toughie. So, anyhow, I've enjoyed these for the most part. The last two nights haven't been real good, though. The games have not been have have not been fun. Uh, some of the other matchups previous were were very good. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I I couldn't watch a lot last night because I was busy watching us lose on the road to Toronto, despite being up two uh, two nothing in the first. That and, did happen. Yes. Um, the NHL. You know, if you're a true playoff hockey fan and you've watched a ton of hockey over the last 20 years you know these games are kind of engineered in a way and you just accept it like officiating is a big talking point in college football with targeting and the nfl with whatever you know holding a certain year and and uh hits to the head the next year or points quarter, of you emphasis know, yes points of emphasis yeah roughing the passer in hockey you know if there's a terrible call basically the next tv timeout there might be a discussion that says hey we, we messed that one up let's make sure that anything close we even this thing up. They really try really hard. By the time you get to the first five minutes of the third period to have an equal number of bad or good calls, calls in general, yeah. if it's possible, on the ledger for both teams. And if it doesn't work, then they'll try and even it up next game. Like That's just the way it works. And so the frustrating part was in the second period last night, there was bad call on us. It was, I mean, it's just... It's a guy falling down for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand to this guy. I saw it. It was uh, on Stamkos yeah. they called it on. Because he got tangled up when, on the hit against the board. So they owed us one. They owed us one. Toronto didn't even score on it, but I knew in the third period we're going to get a cheapy, and we sure did because yeah. the call that Point drew was nothing. Nothing. It was so a phantom slap call. on the hand, barely. Ten seconds in. You kidding me? A guy gets cross-checked, and because he's cross-checked, his stick goes into the sky and hits a dude in the face. That's a high stick on the dude who got hit? No, yeah. sir. That changed the course of everything in that hockey game, and that's unfortunate. Now, you got to be better four-on-four four if you're Tampa. Much. We don't need to suck at that even in our – cup runs you don't need to suck at four on four and we do consistently but i just hate that you know you owe this one and then you're like wait a minute no we're, we're gonna give toronto the one extra extra call i i will tell you that i think uh your 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 talking point goes to the way fans feel about officiating and what should be the point of emphasis in any sport and how does it work and you you, you just want a consistency but you also want clarity. You want to know transparency. You want to know, all right, is there because this particular matchup favors, and I don't mean a team or a player, a certain style of play, and we're going to watch this very closely because it has the chance to turn chippy in a hurry. There's a history here. We've got to get on top of it early, or this turns into a bloodbath. In other series, it's different. We're not calling anything. It's wide open. We're going to let these players decide this. You guys short of a mauling or an obvious right. takedown. And Tampa-Toronto has been an over-officiated over series. Over-officiated series from the jump. Yeah. 
it has been call after call after call to the point where I think equally you could point out the egregious calls against both teams where I'm just like, well, I'll take it in one second. And the next I'm like, what is that? What are you calling? The unfortunate thing is if you look at the metrics at 5-on-5, Tampa is actually dominating the series. And listen, these aren't sour grapes. Toronto had to go take it last night. And Toronto did. did, to its credit. Well, they scored three goals in the third. Right. And even at 3-3, when we tied, you get a huge save. A huge save, point blank off the top of the shoulder, and Toronto comes down. They scored the deciding goal, yes. the two-on-one. I mean, that's really good hockey, so good for them. This is not a sour grapes on Toronto thing. It's just there, there are unfortunate times, and Tampa's been on the right side of it. But that's just the way it works. You can't turn the puck over there, and then that two-on-one with those two players is a goal. You're like, that's a goal, before it even happens. Well, that's an instructional video. If anybody cares to do instructing to their kids for <laughs> hockey, I don't know that any of you do out there. No. <laughs> but watch that fourth goal for Toronto last night. Number 20 in, uh, in blue, no, in white. Never stop skating, kids. Just never stop. You never know. He gave up for the last two strides. It's crazy. Nick Paul, that's well, the dude who did. But, you know, you get a pad save, and of course, if that's a two-on-one, you're, you're dead. I mean, as soon as it hit his pad, I'm like, oh. I mean, that's, it's a shot pass. Yeah, He's not trying to score no, there. He's trying I mean, to pass it to Matthews uh, off the goal. If he goal. scores, great, but if not, yeah. it's a goal. Yeah, and he, right. he knows it. Yeah. You go far pad. It's also the wrong two guys to give a two-on-one. You go far pad looking for the rebound, yeah. and that's why you keep freaking skating. Maybe, maybe didn't say freaking last night, but yes. Today, should say yesterday. Tomorrow, we don't have to get the doling out the way that we have. But uh, as of yesterday, we found out even more about the NFL schedule. Ingenious the way they do this. I forget uh, that, that they do this every year, but it's smart. Maybe a little nugget here and there, a little nugget here and there. Here's another one. Oh, you can talk about us more on a Wednesday, are you? Great. This, this year has been the most transparent they've been about the leaks. Yeah. In past years, it's been like, oh, this guy gets a report. So that guy gets story. a scoop. Yeah. yeah. This year, they're like, we're going to leak you this for this day. Here's a Christmas Day game. And that's a pretty good one, if I recall. Yes, that's the Rams and the Broncos on Christmas Day at 430. There, there you go. All right. And it's the Denver Broncos led by, that's right, Russell Wilson. Lest we forget. Mr. Unlimited. Oh, it kills me every time. The game's on CBS, and to your point, last segment, Nickelodeon, as well as Paramount Plus. Oh, well, wonderful. All three. Yeah. Uh, So the Rams uh, will, again, uh, be featured in a lot of games this year, fresh off the Super Bowl victory. That's fine. Let somebody else own that kind of attention. We had it for a year. I know what that is. I know the NFL won't do it if, if Christmas is on a weekday. I just like how there's no hesitation if there's a Saturday or a Sunday for Christmas, and, and you know, Monday too, I suppose, where they're like, no, NBA, no, you do not own today's rights. We are just going to take all of your viewers, and we're going to concentrate them for two teams that are probably 500, and you've got superstars, doesn't matter. We're in a playoff race. You guys lose. Three games expected to be announced on Christmas Day. Uh, the majority of Week 16 games the day before Christmas, including Christmas Eve primetime game, they're going to have. Oh, yeah. There you go. And following that up, a Christmas Day triple header. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Because regular season, mid-season NBA games don't interest me. You, you want to throw on three Christmas Day games? All right. It's let's a jingle go. blitz. <laughs> uh, five international games will be on the NFL's upcoming schedule. Don't know why. Still don't. I've read every possible report as to the why. I get it. Follow the money. Don't get it. The Bucks are going to Munchen. Yeah, uh, it's it's Germany, and uh, that's fine. Vikings and Saints are going to play in London in Week Four. The Giants and Packers will play in London in Week Nine. You said Vikings and Saints. 
London week that's four. That's potentially a legitimately good football game overseas. Usually it is great team, terrible team. You know, like 10 years ago, Patriots-Jags. I'm like, yeah, I expected to see they that. They sent a Jags ass over there any chance they get. They're doing yeah, it again do. this year. They're like, uh, here you go, you get the Broncos. Uh, that's the international schedule week in week eight. There you go. Go send it on down the line. Then we're going to send you to Toronto. Then we're going to send you over here. Then we're going to send you to Mexico. Is that right, that the Broncos are playing the Jags over in London? Yes, they are. We so, Mr. Unlimited ah! is going over to London. Seahawks Bucks will play the first ever regular season game in Germany in Week 10. 49ers Cardinals have a Monday night showdown in Mexico City. They used to love to send the Cowboys to Mexico City because they have a huge Cowboy contingent there. So they're going. Yeah, they've had issues there with the field too. Remember field they had to scrap is, it is one year, just like the Hall of Fame game. Whenever they try to play that, the field's oh, yeah, a mess there too. Like, like, what are we doing out here? Uh, <laughs> over under one and a half amputated legs. They do this in prime time, and watch how funny it is. And I get that you have to have programming in May, and that this is uh, this is your best effort here because people eat up the NFL. But watch tomorrow when it happens. There's a schedule release party. ESPN does this. All the networks do if they carry football in a significant way. It's all at it's at eight o'clock eastern time and the nfl network has a show you can go on nfl.com you can look at the nfl app oh there's a million ways to get the nfl they want you to know this tom and uh they'll do the schedule release they'll 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 sit paramount plus has it as well by the way and uh youtube's nfl channel has it as well so again we keep talking about these streaming rights so it's on all of these uh, various outlets no way you can't see it and they'll break down the most intriguing matchups and predict records now we do w's and l's kind of been a tongue-in-cheek thing for years and years and years it has been adapted it has it has been adapted I've been taking it literally they will sit down and seriously go through the schedule tomorrow night w's and l's for everybody and get into debates about it hey first intermission to game six that's what i'm doing i'm looking at the buck schedule making my plans planning purposes sure but the idea of saying that's a win and that's a loss in the nfl man that's a fool's error. Now we're number two fourth coming stay with